When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to episode 158 of the podcast it is sweeping america the air Torres sports podcast first of all i want to wish everybody a happy father's day i'm recording here on sunday night hope everybody had an incredible father's day you got the ties you wanted and the socks that you wanted and all the stuff that your kids always get you that let's be honest you really didn't actually want it but whatever it was Father's Day. I hope you celebrated. I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed. Great sports weekend. We are going to get into it all. So I don't normally talk NBA on this show, but the Anthony Davis trade I think was huge for a number of reasons, including I wanted to talk some NBA draft as it is, and really the Anthony Davis trade kind of reshuffled the entire NBA draft as the Lakers now give up the number four pick, the Pelicans get it, and we will talk about all of that. We'll talk about it, how it pertains to the draft, as well as Anthony Davis and the NBA season next year. Because let's be honest, I think the Lakers are now the favorite to win the championship. So a lot to get into. A lot of guys uh, have followed. A lot of you guys have followed Anthony Davis's career since he was at Kentucky. So we'll get into that. We will talk draft. I want to talk draft. Obviously, Nick Coffey and I hit on it a little bit last week. Uh, weird draft. Top three feels like it's totally 100% set, but then, of course, as we go on, we're going to see that number four is kind of where everything goes crazy, so I'll tell you what I think happens at number four with the Pelicans. I tell you the guys that I like, the guys that I don't like in this draft, and we will wrap up kind of an interesting story that broke late last week. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, friend of this podcast, had him on early in the early days. He reported that an official from the NCAA told him that they are actually going to start handing out notices of allegations based on the FBI trials. And for people who don't know, notice of allegations means that the NCAA has investigated certain schools, maybe in Arizona, maybe a Louisville, maybe a, a USC or an Auburn, and they are ready to hand out what they found in those investigations. Of course, the schools can appeal. It's a process. Nothing is going to happen right away. But the fact that we have six schools, this guy said, that could get a notice of allegations, that's big because it means that the NCAA is actually going to follow through and punish on everything that came out in this FBI trial. I actually think the six schools are pretty obvious. I kind of saw some other people speculating on who it quote-unquote could be. I think it's pretty obvious who the six schools are, so I will get into that. Before we do, I want to remind you, 
please subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You could do it on iTunes. You could do it on Podcast Addict. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to listen to this show. Tune in radio. You can do it on Pod Paradise. Wherever you listen to podcasts, this is basically available. Also, please, a lot of you guys have been great about this, so thank you for that. Please make sure, rate and review this show. So go on iTunes, go on whatever service you use, give us a quick five stars, it really does help us. Also, make sure you're following on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. I've got my old podcast page there for a second. And finally, if you have questions... The questions have kind of slowed down a little bit over the last couple weeks. I don't know if you guys are just kind of basketballed out as we, by the way, are going to transition to a little bit of football. If you people have listened to this show throughout the last year or so, you know that once fall comes, I will talk a little college football because a lot of you guys, of course, follow college football, watch every Saturday. Of course, I'll never veer away from basketball. So if you're listening to this for basketball, we're never going to stop talking basketball, but we might mix in some football as the, as the summer where on, but please make sure to send in those questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I should also mention, if you weren't around last week, a couple really good episodes. We had Sonny Vaccaro, kind of the shoe. Uh, he's like the original shoe guy, right? I, I was reading, actually, I got a copy of Lamar Odom's book uh, that just came out, and Lamar Odom said, that Sonny, broke, Sonny Vaccaro is the original power broker. That power brokering didn't exist before Sonny Vaccaro, a guy who was great on the FBI trials. He was great on kind of the shoe company involvement in college basketball. So I encourage you to listen to that. Also, last Thursday, Seth Greenberg joined the show. We talked about a lot of similar things. I do want to apologize. The audio on that was not good. I do my best whenever I have a guest to make the audio as best as I can, but sometimes I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's on, on the guest's end or if it's on my end with the recording equipment that I have. The equipment I have is great, but I just can't figure out why sometimes the audio sounds so bad. So for the Seth Greenberg stuff, I do apologize. I appreciate you kind of gritting through that show. All right, let's get into today's show because as I said, Anthony Davis, the biggest story in sports right now and I do think, listen, we have, as I mentioned off the top, we have a lot of Kentucky fans who listen to this show, probably been following Anthony Davis's career since he was 17 years old, a junior in high school. Uh, and I think it's, it's a huge story because it's huge because anyone listening to the show loves basketball. You probably at least tangentially follow the NBA, at least in the playoffs like I do. And then, oh, by the way, like I said, this trade shook up the NBA draft, which is coming up this week. And I was going to talk about the draft this entire show anyway. So it all worked out well. And I would start by saying this with Anthony Davis, is I don't know that the timing was totally surprising. I mean, it was a little surprising, right? I'll be honest. I was taking a nap when the news broke. I fell asleep in the middle of the day. By the way, for people who didn't see it, if you follow the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page, which you should be, you saw that I was actually at Pebble Beach this weekend. I went up Friday for the U.S. Open. Uh, thank you to the guys at Fox for getting me tickets there. First of all, I'll say this. I know it's not feasible for everybody who listens to this show, either financially or geographically, but if you can ever get to Pebble Beach, you got to do it. It's a, uh, listen, we all, we all watched the U.S. Open this weekend. It's an incredible course. It's a beautiful course. Uh, it was a real once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I was really glad I got up there, posted a bunch of pictures on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page, so make sure you follow. Like I said, 
if it's feasible. I know for everybody it isn't. And I don't want to, you know, whatever. But if you can get there, it is a bucket list thing. It was awesome. What wasn't awesome was the nine-hour drive that it took to get home on Sat on Friday night. So we drove up uh, Friday morning. It was about four or five hours. Way back took nine and a half hours. So didn't get to bed till about 3 a.m. on Friday, which led me to taking a pretty epic nap on Saturday before my Fox Sports radio show. And I woke up and Anthony Davis was a Los Angeles Laker. And so my first reaction is I- I'm not totally surprised by the timing of all this. The reports were that the New Orleans Pelicans did want to get this deal done before the NBA draft because there were draft picks involved. The Knicks obviously were a team that was interested. They have the number three pick with R.J. Barrett. Or they have the number three pick, excuse me, no, no word on if it's officially going to be R.J. Barrett, although it will be. And so if he, if that, that's a big asset, right? The number three pick is a big asset. The number four pick from the Los Angeles Lakers obviously was a big reason why this trade went down. The Boston Celtics have draft picks, and so it felt like this deal was going to get done before the draft, and I guess my only question was, are the Pelicans going to hold that line in the sand that they had in February at the trade deadline where they just said, we're not dealing with the Lakers? And I never really bought that it was going to be quite like that because the bottom line is that at some point, you know, you got to put, you got to let, stop letting bygones be bygones. And you got to make the trade that helps your team the best. And so you heard that the Boston Celtics, maybe they were a little hesitant to throw a guy like Jason Tatum in because the Celtics have been told multiple times by both Anthony Davis's dad and Rich Paul, Anthony Davis's agent, that Anthony Davis would not resign with the, the Celtics long term. And so I think what the Celtics said was, we're probably not getting Kyrie Irving back. Anthony Davis isn't going to sign long term. And so, you know what? We're not going to go crazy on this trade. We're not going to blow up everything that we've worked for. And by the way, we were better without Kyrie Irving anyway. And oh, by the way, here's the other thing about the modern NBA. The reason why a lot of you guys listening don't like the NBA. It's because in six months, guess what? Another superstar is going to demand a trade. I don't know who it's going to be. But if you look over the last five, six years in the NBA, think about all the guys that have switched teams. Kyrie Irving demanded a trade. Jimmy Butler demanded a trade. Um, Paul George demanded a trade. Anthony Davis demanded a trade. Chris Paul didn't technically demand a trade, but he kind of just sort of said, like, I'm not coming back to to the Clippers. And so the Clippers were forced to trade him. Um, You know, and then obviously through free agency. Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Kawhi Leonard, finals MVP, demanded a trade. Um, And so I think the Celtics looked around and said, like, we like our young guys. We think we might be better without Kyrie Irving, assuming that he doesn't come back. And another guy's going to be available in six months. And so they backed off. It was clear that whatever the New York Knicks were trying to sell to the Pelicans, they, the Pelicans weren't interested. And so this trade went down. And so everybody knows the deal now. But Anthony Davis is now a Los Angeles Laker. In return, the Pelicans got Brandon Ingram. We all remember him from Duke. Averaged 18 points a game last year before he went down with uh, kind of a serious blood clot injury, Lonzo Ball. I think you've heard that name before. I think you might know a little bit about his dad. I'm not totally sure his dad. I've heard some things about the guy. Don't really know. Uh, name sounds familiar. LeVar, maybe? I don't know. It's, it's ringing a bell. So Lonzo is going over to, to, the, to the Pelicans. Brandon Ingram is going to the Pelicans. Uh, Josh Hart is going to the Pelicans. The number four pick in this draft and then two future first-round picks are going to the Pelicans. 
couple thoughts on, first of all, the Pelicans Hall is, first of all, this is an important, Lonzo Ball, I think, and Brandon Ingram too, are an important lesson for all these guys that are entering the NBA right now. All these NBA draft picks, all the guys that have returned to school thinking I'm going to be the next Kawhi or Giannis or whatever. This business is dirty, man. And Lonzo Ball, 18 months ago, two years ago, 24 months ago, that guy was the face of the franchise. He was supposed to be the savior of the franchise. Magic Johnson was doing a press conference, uh, you know, save a couple records in the record books for me. We're going to retire your jersey. And now Lonzo's going to New Orleans. And so, one, let that be a lesson. I know I have a lot of uh, parents that listen to this show and coaches that listen to this show. Let that be a lesson to everybody entering the NBA, man. Everyone's like, oh, LeBron, pro player, player empowerment. It's like, yeah, player empowerment works for like seven guys. And then everybody else is just kind of a puzzle piece. And so don't ever forget that. Uh, I also heard, by the way, that the Lakers had maybe given up too much, which I think is the most preposterous thing that I've maybe ever heard. Um, You can never give up too much when you get a, a true superstar. And Anthony Davis, even though I didn't like the way that he handled things at the trade deadline and then he sat out, and I know part of it was the Pelicans idea, and then he wore the uh, That's All Folks t-shirt. Wasn't a fan of that. But I don't think we can debate that Anthony Davis is like one of the five to seven best players in the NBA right now. He averaged 26, 12, and three blocks. I mean, that's insane. He's a really good player. And so this idea that the Lakers gave up too much, no. No, of course they didn't give up too much. You can never give up too much. Did the did the Raptors give up too much to get Kawhi Leonard? They just won an NBA championship. Did the uh, you know did the um, I don't know did the did the Oklahoma City Thunder give up too much to get Paul George? I don't know. He he helped keep Russell Westbrook around. That's huge. You can't put a price on that. And so no, I don't think the the Lakers gave up too much. I think that they are now. By the way, and this is the interesting part. Love him or hate him, a lot of you don't like LeBron. Most of you like Anthony Davis. Some of you don't after what happened. Lakers are now the favorite in the NBA going into next year. And that that's my other big takeaway. How crazy are sports sometimes, right? Like, we all watch sports. We all love sports. Part of the reason we love sports, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, two, two and a half, three weeks ago, we were sitting there saying, well, man, well, first of all, KD's going to go to New York. But, man, if he comes back to the Warriors... They're going to win like the next nine titles. If he signs long-term with KD and Steph and Clay, they're never going to lose. And the Lakers, they're a mess. Magic Johnson quit. They tried to trade for AD. They couldn't get him. Now you're like three weeks later, here we are. The Warriors, Kevin Durant's out for next year. He may never play uh, again for the Warriors, but even if he comes back to the Warriors, he may never be the same player. Clay Thompson's out for next year. The Warriors aren't going to be very good next year. And oh, by the way, the Lakers, that team that everybody loved to make fun of, they're now the favorites. And you could say, oh, they're not really. That's what I got a lot of on on Saturday night is I said, oh, you know, it's amazing how this stuff happens. People say, they're they're not really the favorites. (sighs) Like, listen, I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, but they are the favorites. They're literally the favorites in Vegas. Like, you go to Vegas right now, the team with the lowest odds to win the championship next year are the Los Angeles Lakers. So don't come at me with, oh, what are you talking about? No, they're the favorites, man. And I know there's a lot of questions. I know LeBron's a year older. He's coming off the first major injury of his career, a groin injury that cost that team a month of their season. I think there's a legitimate chance that if LeBron doesn't get hurt, 
that maybe Anthony Davis never gets traded because the Lakers were in fourth place, and oh, by the way, they were about to make the playoffs. And so, but the point is, LeBron is back. Anthony Davis is a star. I don't think either of them needs to play 82 games. And I know there's a lot of questions about, whoa, how are you going to fill out the roster? You still got Kyle Kuzma, which, by the way, people talk about the Lakers gave up too much. They kept their best young player. They kept Kyle Kuzma. And so now, yes, the Lakers are the favorites in the NBA going into next year. Doesn't guarantee anything. But I'm just saying, you look around. The Warriors are beat up. Warriors aren't going to be the same team that we saw over the last five years when they made five straight NBA Finals. And so beyond them, who's the left? People say, oh, the Lakers aren't the favorite. Well, who's the favorite? The Rockets? The Rockets, the soft Rockets who fold like Charmin every time things get tough. James Harden can't play in the playoffs. Milwaukee? Listen, I'll say this. I think the Raptors haven't gotten nearly enough respect. I think if Kawhi Leonard comes back, I would like the Raptors to win the NBA championship again next year over these Los Angeles Lakers. But I'm not sold Kawhi's coming back. Like, I think Kawhi's like, I did my time in Toronto. I did what I had to do. I won you guys a championship. Now it's time for me to do what's best for me, and I think he's going to go to L.A. and play for the Clippers. And so you start talking about who's there. Well, Toronto probably won't be back next year. I will say, though, if 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 Toronto does get back, by the way, I'm seeing live that, it looks as though Kerry Blackshear is going to take an official visit to Kentucky beginning on Tuesday. So I'll get to that in a minute. Shout out to my boy Jake Weingarten. But uh, it looks as though it looks as though Kerry Blackshear will take an official visit to Kentucky. So we'll get into that. I'll get into that towards the end of the show because I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting this to break in the middle of the show, uh, the middle of my podcast like this. But it looks as though. Kerry Blackshear will visit Kentucky. Matt Jones, my buddy from Kentucky Sports Radio, has confirmed it. So Kerry Blackshear will visit Kentucky on Tuesday. We'll get into that in a minute. Let me wrap on AD. We'll do some NBA draft talk. I'll close with Kerry Blackshear because this news did break in the middle of the show. All right, so back to Anthony Davis. I'll wrap up really quick. Is People say, oh, they're not really the favorites. No, they are. They're the favorites in Vegas, and if you like the if you like the Raptors, if Kawhi comes back, that's fine. But other than that, it's like uh, the Rockets. I don't know the Bucks. Uh, I don't know the 76ers. I don't know. And so I I think it's an incredible move. It's an incredible moment in the NBA. The Lakers are back to being relevant, and all of a sudden we now have uh, a new favorite in the NBA. And I'll be fascinated to see how it works out. By the way. LeBron, we all know, cannot is not always easy to play with. Anthony Davis has never been on a stage like this, frankly, since Kentucky. Kentucky's a bigger stage than the New Orleans Pelicans are, if we're being perfectly honest. I think Anthony Davis will thrive, but he's never been kind of quote-unquote the number two guy. And I'll be curious, like, what happens from here? Is there something new from here? Is there something, is there another guy that signs this offseason? Is it maybe Kemba Walker? Is it maybe... Um, you know, I don't know, uh, blah, 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 Kyrie Irving. I don't know. It'll be fascinating to watch, though. Sorry, this Kerry Blackshear news just threw me for a total loop. I'll get to Kerry Blackshear in a minute. I want to wrap on Davis. But I want to wrap with Davis by saying this. The other interesting thing is how it affects the NBA draft. Because, as I said, 
Part of the reason that we all thought this Anthony Davis deal was going to get done was because of the fact that the NBA draft is on Thursday. It's crazy how quick it's coming up. And the bottom line is, I think that a lot of people were sitting there saying like, if you want to get rid of Anthony Davis, like you want those picks. And so was it going to be the Knicks pick at number three? Was it going to be the Lakers pick at number four? And as it turned out, it was the Lakers pick. And so I'm going to get into what I think the Pelicans should do in a minute. Before I do, I'll go back to what I was saying with Nick Coffey last week. Do you guys ever remember an NBA draft three, four, five days out with less kind of intrigue and drama? Because here's the thing, right? Like, like I get that um, the NBA Finals just finished and this free agency, free agency thing was going to be crazy if KD was a free agent and if he had been healthy and the Warriors won again, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is Kawhi going to stay? Is he going to go? Whatever, right? But I don't get that, like, there's no buzz with this NBA draft, and I think it's very simple. I think it's that we know who the top three picks are going to be. Zion's going to New Orleans, John Morant's going to Memphis, and R.J. Barrett's going to New York. And especially now, now that Anthony Davis is off the trade block, we know the Knicks pick isn't getting traded. At least there was the possibility that, oh, maybe R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson will end up together with the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, now that's dead. And so I'll say this, a couple things. First of all, I think the big storyline going into this draft and kind of coming out of it over the next five to 10 years is, is Zion going to live up to the hype? And it's crazy, right? Because Zion is a guy that he is, by my estimation, and by the way, a lot of people agree with me, including Sonny Vaccaro, who was on last week's show. um, He is a guy who is the highest touted player, is the most touted player since LeBron James came into the NBA in 2003. And so I guess my question is, does he become that guy, right? Like, say what you want about LeBron James. He was the best player in the NBA for a decade. Heck, he might still be, depending on what happens with Kevin Durant and Kawhi. Like, like LeBron might come out next year and still be the best player in the NBA at 35 years old. And so Zion is entering with that kind of hype. And I'm just curious if he can live up to that, right? Like, like, like we watch the NBA and I think we throw around the, the term superstar too casually, right? Like, to me, a superstar is a guy that can put a team on his back and lead them to a championship as the best player on the team, the best player on the floor in the finals. And how many guys are there really like that in the NBA right now? Well, I'm not sure how many. Kawhi Leonard, I would say, yeah, duh. I still would say LeBron. Even though his team didn't make the playoffs this year, I, I do believe, I truly believe, I will believe till the day I die, that he purposely came back late because he saw the team was struggling. He knew that was the fastest way to get those young players out, get Anthony Davis in, get Luke Walton out, get the coach that he wanted in. But LeBron's still one of those players, can lead your team to a championship. LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant. I think that Giannis is there, but even Giannis, like, like he's got to get that jump shot. I think he'll get there, but he's not there yet. Like, Steph kind of saw what happened with the Warriors when Steph was the best player on the floor. I don't even think he was the best player on the floor. I think Clay was. Is James Harden really a superstar? I don't know. They never made the finals. Russell Westbrook? I don't know. He hasn't won a playoff series since Kevin Durant left. And so I only bring this up because the, 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 the label that we're going to put on Zion Williamson is can he be a superstar? And to me, that means that can he be a guy that leads a team to the NBA championship as that team's best player. 
I think the answer is yes, but I don't think it's a home run. I mean, for, for starters, I think the biggest thing, and it's the question that we've asked since the day Zion Williamson got to Duke, when you project him out as an NBA player, how is his body going to hold up over 82 games? He's a big guy, and I know he's going to trim down. I know he's going to lose weight, uh, but I love this notion of like, well, you know, once he gets with an NBA strength and conditioning program, it's like, you think Duke doesn't have a really good strength and conditioning program? You think Duke doesn't have a nutritionist on campus cooking all Zion's meals? Like, I don't, like this isn't 1991 you where, uh, you know, the guys were working out with, uh, you know, they, they're doing bicep curls in the corner. Like, no, like they're working with world-class strength and conditioning coaches, world-class nutritionists that are, that are cooking for them. And so, like, to me, can his body, I think he'll trim some weight, but I'm not sure how much weight. And when he does, can he maintain his body over 82 games? Because here's the bottom line with Zion, and I'm not rooting against him. I'm just, I'm just telling you as a fact because people are asking me, is he the next big thing? Is he a superstar? Like, I think, I think, but had nagging injuries towards the back end of his high school career. He missed a bunch of time his senior year. He obviously had the injury at Duke this year, and I know it was a fluke thing. His foot went straight through his shoe. If that doesn't happen, his knee is fine, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But, like, these things do happen. And the other thing is, and I noticed this in college, he's so much more bigger and physically stronger than everybody, is that he's almost refereed differently, right? He's like refereed like he's Shaq. Like he's refereed as in like, uh, you know, he gets fouled really hard. And so I just don't know if physically he can hold up. And then kind of his game. Is that three-point shot going to continue to develop? I know he made a high percentage at Duke, but is he going to continue to make that high percentage at the clip that he needs to to be a star in the NBA. And so that's kind of my question. Listen, Zion's going number one. I'm just saying, like, if you told me that he was an all-star caliber player, because remember, there's a difference between being an all-star. Ben Simmons is an all-star. Ben Simmons can't shoot. Joel Embiid's an all-star. Can't stay healthy. Kyrie Irving's an all-star. Team's better without him. Can he be an all-star? Yeah, he can be an all-star. Can he be a superstar? That remains to be seen. Some other thoughts. R.J. Barrett, by the way, another guy, I just want to say really quick on R.J. Barrett, is like he's a guy that I do think can be a superstar. Now, will he? I don't know. He's another one that's got to get his three-point shot in. He's got to be smarter with the basketball. But I do like his intangibles. And so you talk about this draft, that's what's intriguing to me. The Pelicans are going to take Zion number one, and they have to take Zion number one. But, 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 could R.J. Uh, RJ Barrett be the best player in this draft? I don't know if I said R.J. Hampton, by the way. If I said R.J. Hampton, I apologize. I meant to say R.J. Barrett. Can R.J. Barrett be the best player in the draft? By the way, I think John Morant's going to be really good. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see. It's funny, right? Remember when Carmelo, when LeBron came into the league and it was Carmelo and it was D-Wade all in the same year and they were all kind of compared to each other and they were the young guns? That's kind of how I feel about this draft, right? I just feel like... Zion, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett are going to forever, forever be intertwined together, but because they came into the league together, because it was clear that they were the top three players, and like I said off the top, I don't ever remember a draft where the top three guys were so obvious. Now, let's get to number four, because I think that's where it gets interesting. I'm going to talk about number four, then I'm going to wrap with some um, some guys that I think are, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go through some of the guys that I really like in this draft, some guys that I don't. This will probably be the last podcast before the draft, so it kind of makes sense for me to kind of quickly go over the guys that I like and the guys that I don't like. But let's get to number four. 
Because what I think is interesting is I think everything is on the table at number four with the New Orleans Pelicans. And what I mean by that is this. For people who haven't been paying attention, the New Orleans Pelicans basically haven't been able to get players into New Orleans to work out for their team. And the reason is pretty simple. They have the number one pick in the draft, and everybody knows they're going to take Zion Williamson. So like R.J. Barrett's uh, agent and Darius Garland's agent and Jarrett Culver and De- like DeAndre Hunter, like those guys aren't going to New Orleans to work out because they know you're taking Zion. And so the Pelicans haven't been able to get all these top guys in front of them. And so now I think it's scramble mode of trying to figure out, okay, who do we want to take with that number four pick or do we want to trade it? And then it becomes a question of who's interested in the pick. What does it mean? Who wants to move up? Who wants to get their guy? Who wants to take a chance on somebody else? I don't know, but I think it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next three or four days. Now, the guy that I would take if I had the number four pick, I'll tell you right now. If I kept the number four pick, the guy that I would take is Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. And I know a lot of you guys maybe didn't watch a ton of Texas Tech before the start of the or before the final four, before deep in the NCAA tournament, he didn't have a great final four. He didn't show out. There was a matchup of him and DeAndre Hunter, the two kind of superstar lottery pick type players, and he didn't play well. I'm telling you, this guy is really good. Obviously, he's really well coached by Chris Beard. You guys know I've talked about Chris Beard a ton on this podcast. Chris Beard, by the way, came on this podcast last summer. You can go back and archive that. It was in I want to say. Uh, late June, about a year ago now, that Chris Beard joined the show. But I bring it up because Chris Beard, he coached Jarrett Culver really well. Culver can kind of score at all three levels. That's what I like about him. He's about 6'7", 6'8". He's kind of the modern NBA player. He can guard multiple positions. He can guard, uh, if you switch on a pick, in a pick and roll situation, he can guard a bigger guy. He can guard a smaller guy. He can guard guards. Um, He can do it all. And he can score at all three levels. Now, do I think he's going to be a superstar? No. But you got your superstar in Zion Williamson. You got maybe your point guard of the future in Lonzo Ball. You got another really good player in Brandon Ingram. Now I'm talking about New Orleans, of course, for people who haven't followed. I'm talking New Orleans now. And you just need guys that that can do a little bit of everything. And Jared Culver can score at all three levels, can facilitate, can defend. I like him a lot. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they went with him. Maybe even DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter is more of a defensive kind of liability, kind of a defensive star. He's kind of a shutdown defensive player. And maybe that makes sense for the Pelicans because they're going to have plenty of offense with Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, all the guys that are kind of already with the um, with the team, with the organization, etc. So I like Jarrett Culver there. All right, so let's get into kind of the rest of this. And, and, and for people who listen to the podcast regularly, I'll tell you this. I've talked a lot about P.J. Washington. I've talked a lot about Brandon Clark from Gonzaga. Last episode, I talked a lot about Tyler Hero, how I may have missed on him. And so I do want to take a step back and talk about some other guys that I do like in this draft. guys And guys that I don't like in this draft, by the way. So I want to start with a couple other guys. And by the way, again, P.J. Washington, I'll, I'll just do it real quick. P.J. Washington, you guys know I love. For the same reason I love Jarrett Culver. About 6'7", 6'8", massive wingspan, can defend multiple positions, can defend in the pick and roll. What I love about P.J. Washington, he took the feedback from the NBA and used it productively in his second year at Kentucky. We saw the ability to not only take over games, 
but the ability to step out, to hit the 25-foot jumper, maybe not 25 feet, but the 18-foot jumper, 19-foot jumper, mid-range game. By the way, P.J. Washington came on this show and talked about that, talked about how important that NBA feedback was. And so I look at P.J. Washington. Look, he's going to go somewhere between, I would guess, 12 and 15. I think he stays in the lottery. I think somebody takes him in the lottery. And like, I think that guy's going to be really good. I think he's going to be able to play in the NBA the way it's currently constituted for the next 10 years, just because of the, the intangibles that he has. Brandon Clark at Gonzaga, love the way that he protects the rim, love his defensive energy, love his energy in general. He's one of those guys. He's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to be your best player. But if you got other good players and you just need a guy that's crazy athletic, that's crazy bouncy, that needs to defend the rim, that needs to rebound, that's the guy. That's the guy. And so I like Brandon Clark. Tyler Hero, I said the other day, I whiffed on him, right? And and nobody bats a thousand in this stuff. I come on here twice a week, every week, 40 minutes a day. Uh, and I and I give you my opinions, mostly on basketball. And when I give my opinions, sometimes you miss. And I said after the NCAA tournament, I said, I don't really know about Tyler Hero. Because the guy says, that I'm a walking bucket. All I do is get buckets. But he really struggled in a lot of games during the college basketball season. But I, I, I think what I forgot in that moment was how important shooting is in the modern NBA. And the fact that, one, if you can't shoot, you can't play. That's why, by the way, Ashton Hagens didn't declare for the draft. It's why Trey Jones from Duke didn't declare for the draft, because they knew, I got to work on my shot. I got to get my shot in a better place. But Tyler Hero can shoot the you-know-what out of the ball. And I don't think it's all going to come together this year, this coming season. But give it a year. Give it two years. He has the skill that everybody in the NBA wants more of now. And you can't draft shooting too high because it's a skill that everybody needs. And if Tyler Hero isn't good enough to play for your team, you can trade him down the road. Somebody's going to want him. Somebody's going to want his skill set. And as I say all the time, I'm not saying he's only a shooter. I think he can score on all three levels. I don't think he gets credit for being the athlete that he is. But I would add that the, the, the shooting specifically is what's going to get him in the league and keep him in this league for a long time. And it's going to get him drafted really high because everybody needs three-point shooting. It's what he can do. And it doesn't matter who you are. You need to be able to have that skill set Tyler Hero does. All right, I want to talk about a couple other people. And kind of staying in that Tyler Hero shooting ability, Cam Reddish. I think I think Cam Reddish is worth a flyer. Now, if I had, say, um, you know, the number five pick and I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers and I'm completely rebuilding my roster and I need a superstar, I need a face of a franchise, I don't know that I'd take Cam Reddish. But people are talking about him as 7, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that range. And I actually like Cam Reddish. I think he's undervalued. Look, this guy was the number two player in his high school class coming into college basketball. And I think the whole thing with Duke, like the bottom line is, I get why he committed to Duke, but when he committed to Duke, I don't think he knew that R.J. Barrett and that Zion Williamson were coming. And I think maybe in hindsight, if he had known that, maybe he wouldn't have gone to Duke. But this guy is so perfectly built for the NBA. He's like six foot eight, can shoot the you know what out of the ball. And you don't you don't if you don't need him to be a superstar, if he can just stand in the corner, catch, shoot, take people off the dribble, get buckets, like I think that guy has real value in the NBA. So I see the Atlanta Hawks who are gonna build around Trey Young, Kevin Herter, some of their guys. I see that they're a potential landing spot for him. I think the Chicago Bulls, they got the size down low. They need shooting. They could use Cam Reddish. 
Timber, like whoever it is, I think Cam Reddish has real value in this league. He's a guy I would be willing to bet on. Again, if I'm if I'm drafting a guy that I need to be a superstar, then yeah, I probably stay away. But I take a chance on Cam Reddish. You know who else I like who has risen up draft boards? Kobe White, University of North Carolina. Yeah, he plays a little bit out of control, but he pushes it. He can score. He can score at all three levels. He can shoot. I don't think he's a true point guard, but is there such a thing as a true point guard in the modern NBA? I don't really know. I mean, who who are the true point guards? Russell Westbrook's not a true point guard. Kyrie Irving's not a true point guard. Steph Curry's not a true point guard. Maybe Chris Paul, and Chris Paul's on the back end of his career. LeBron James is not a true point guard, even though he runs the offense. Kemba Walker's not a true point guard. And so you look at Kobe White, his size, his ability to score at all three levels, the way he played this season at North Carolina, to me, he's a guy that I would like to take a chance on. I see him going a lot in these mock drafts to Chicago. By the way, staying with North Carolina, Cam Johnson. He's, I think, basically the oldest player projected to go in the first round. He's like already almost 23 years old. So he's older. He was a five-year college guy. Uh, he redshirted early in his career before he transferred to North Carolina. But when I look at that guy, that's a guy that, again, he's like Tyler Hero. He's like Cam Reddish. He only does one thing, and that's get points, get buckets, score baskets. And it's like, you know, he's going to go somewhere between like 18 and 25, and you're not looking for a superstar at that point. You're just looking for a guy that can play a certain role. And in the modern NBA, what better role than being a guy that can get buckets and score? This was a guy that averaged 17 points a game this year. He shot 46% from three. He's got ideal size, six foot nine, uh, shoots the you-know-what out of the ball. And again, he's older, so you know what you're getting from him. If you're drafting him to be a star, well, you're going to be sadly mistaken. But, you know, he's going to go in the 16 to 22 to 25 range. And he's not, he's not going to be asked to be a star. I'll wrap up on the guys that I like with, uh, I like both Tennessee guys. I guess technically there's three with Jordan Bone, but I like Grant Williams and I like Admiral Schofield because I think the NBA, and it's something I talk about a lot on this show, the NBA is a league where, and and I guess my point is, I, I guess a lot of the guys that I'm referencing, Cam Johnson, Cam Reddish, Rui Hachimura, who I like from Gonzaga, they all kind of know who they are as players, and they know what role they're going to have to fill, and they're going to fill it. They're going to crush it. And that's why I like both the Tennessee guys. Grant Williams, undersized, but he's more athletic than people give him credit for. He's physical. He's tough. He gets boards. And I know he's not crazy athletic, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy that, even though he's undersized, can still get rebounds. He's going to set screens. He's going to do all the hustle, energy, little things. By the way, same with Admiral Schofield. Same deal. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. he can defend multiple positions, but the thing about those guys, they know that they're going to have to play a role in the NBA, and they're okay with that, and I think that's so important in the NBA, and I always talk about this, and I talk about it with people that are guests on this show, I talk with basketball people that aren't guests on this show, is everybody thinks when they're 16 years old, they watch the NBA, I'm going to be a star, right? But most guys, how many, again, what did I say, how many real stars are there? There's like five, six, seven superstars, Kawhi, LeBron, KD, maybe Harden, maybe Anthony Davis, Giannis, etc. There's some stars, guys like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, and then everybody else is a role player. And some guys are really highly paid role players. Some are really important role players. But Fred Van Vliet, who was awesome in the finals, is a role player. 
Tristan Thompson, Kavon Looney, Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston was the number four overall pick, and he has stayed in the NBA because he is willing to be a role player. And so that's why I like the Tennessee guys, because they're willing to be role players. A couple guys that I do not like. I'm out on Romeo Lankford. I've been out on Romeo Lankford. One of the things that drove me crazy about this year in college basketball was the Romeo Lankford defenders, the Romeo Lankford apologists in college basketball. And I talked about it on this show. I think I even actually called Nick Coffey out on it because there was this big narrative of, oh, Indiana, because obviously Indiana was struggling. Oh, Indiana, they're wasting Romeo Lankford's one year on campus. And it's like, are they really wasting it? Because Romeo Lankford is part of the problem. I mean, like Romeo Lankford is not like he was Zion and he's averaging 23 and 12 and the team's not winning. He was part of the problem. This was a guy that, yes, he averaged almost 17 points a game, but actually it was closer to 16, but he did it on an insanely uh, you know, average shooting percentage. He shot 27% from three. He doesn't pass the ball. He turned it over over two times a game. Like he was a guy that had a lot of issues, that had a lot of problems, that wasn't the guy that he was sold to be. And so I look at him and I'm like, what is he doing at an elite level? I mean, he can get to the rim in college, but is he going to be able to take guys off the dribble in the NBA? Because he can't shoot. Can't, he, didn't, he can't defend, that's for sure. Can't handle the ball. Like, what does that guy do? So I'm just out on Romeo Langford. I get that he was a great high school player. You think anybody in the NBA cares what his high school accolades are? I don't think he can contribute at the NBA level. And maybe I'll be wrong, because maybe he does have that pedigree. But I'm just saying, I don't know what he does well. Just somebody tell me. Somebody tell me what Romeo Langford does well. He gets to the rim. Okay, cool. But shot 27% from three. Turned the ball over two times a game. The offense ran through him, and the team wasn't successful. He can't defend. I'm out on him. I know who else I'm out on? Bull Bull. I'm out. Just want to draft him. Seven foot three. First of all, he's got a weird body type. People say, oh, you know, he could shoot threes. It's like, yeah, but he's going to get killed in the paint on defense. He's going to get bullied in the paint on defense. He is going to get destroyed in the paint on defense. And oh, by the way, he's got an injury problems. He's got a foot injury. He sat out all last year. And then, oh, by the way, here's the other thing. People have been asking about him since high school. Does he love basketball? And I'll tell you this. He came out to the West Coast. He was at a lot of the big AAU and, and, and all-star events that I was at. And I'm telling you, by the way, again, I know a lot of parents listen to this show. If your kid is playing sports, tell them this, the number one most important thing. Always play hard because you never know who's watching. Because things that Bowl Bowl did three years ago are coming back to bite him right now. Showing up to an all-star game, playing one half, and sitting out the second half, and ah, I think I'm a, I'm a little banged up, or I don't really feel like playing. Like, those are real things. And people are questioning, does he have what it takes? Does he care about basketball? Or is he a guy who plays basketball because he's seven foot three and because his dad played in the NBA? I'm telling you, I just want to draft him. I don't I actually frankly don't understand what the excitement is about Bobo at all. I, I just I don't get it. I really just genuinely don't get it. Um couple other guys. Nasir Little. Nasir Little's one I'm I'm lukewarm on. Because Nasir Little's one that I do think like if he just focuses on basketball and he just focuses on being a defense energy hustle guy, 
I think he can find a spot in the NBA because he's hyperactive, super athletic, but he, I don't think he knows how to play basketball. And this is my problem, by the way, with kind of the system that we've set up. We draft guys so much on potential. It's like, that guy needs another year of college. He needs to learn how to play basketball. Romeo Langford needs to learn how to play college basketball. Like, give me right now Rui Hachimura, and I know they're not the exact same position, but Rui Hachimura over Nasir Little because Rui Hachimura played college basketball for three years. He knows how to play. So those are the guys that I'm out on. All right, I want to wrap on a couple quick things. First of all, the Kerry Blackshear news. So Kerry Blackshear, we all know because I've talked about him every single episode. And the one thing I promised you last week is I said, look, I'm not going to analyze and overanalyze and reanalyze and do this with Kerry Blackshear. But we now know that he is going to visit Kentucky this week. Um, We now know that that is in addition to all of the other visits that he has already taken. So he's gone to the University of Florida. He has gone to, uh, where else, Arkansas. He has gone to Tennessee. There was a rumor about Memphis, but I don't really see it. And now we know that he's finally officially going to visit Kentucky. And so... All I'll say is is this is I, I think that we're now getting to the end of the Kerry Blackshear recruitment. Now, in his defense, I don't blame him for taking his time. Because the bottom line is that you have to remember, this is a guy that put everything he had into the NBA draft process. He did. And I think his full focus was I want to be in the G League or in the NBA next year. And it was just clear like if he stayed in the draft, he wasn't getting drafted. So now that he's back out. I think he's getting a lot of information thrown at him a lot of, uh, at, at him pretty fast. And what I'll say is what I've said all along. And I saw this report that, oh, you know, I think it was from a Tennessee writer, like, oh, all I want to do is he wants to go to a place that he can win a national championship. I don't doubt that that's true, but I will stand by what I said last week on this show about Kerry Blackshear. And that's that, yeah, like winning a national championship is nice and like it's important and it feels good. But when you're recruiting a transfer, specifically a grad transfer, it's just a 110-degree different deal than it is to recruit a high school player, right? A high school player may only stay one year, may only stay four years, but they want to go to a place that they're going to be loved and everything's going to this and they're going to win a national championship and they're going to be on TV. And like, when it comes to grad transfers, like, I'm not saying that's not important, but it's not the number one priority. Kerry Blackshear wants to go to the place that he is going to have the best chance to get to the NBA, to be showcased for the NBA. And so the fact that he's going to visit Kentucky on Tuesday, I don't think changes the fact that what he has to decide is actually pretty simple. If he goes to Florida, he is the missing piece, right? He is the guy that makes them a complete team that I think puts them in position. They would, in my opinion, be a top 10 team coming into next season. They would be a team that I don't think they'd be the favorite in the SEC. I would still take Kentucky, but I think they could get to a Final Four. I really, truly do. Tennessee, I don't think the talent level is that good, but they still got Lamonte Turner. They still got some other nice pieces, but there's a big Grant Williams-sized hole with the Tennessee Vols. And when you talk about Kerry Blackshear, he fits in pretty well with what Grant Williams did for that program. So it becomes a question of, do you want to play with Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden and be that guy? Maybe be the missing piece for the Vols. I don't think that they would be on the level of Florida if they got him, but 
I think they'd probably be the second best team. I think they would jump Florida, Tennessee this is, as the second best team in the SEC, maybe the third best team behind LSU going into next year. I think it'd be a huge piece for them. Same with Arkansas. Arkansas is a big hole in the front court. And finally, Kentucky. And I think this is just what it comes down to, is the stage of Kentucky is practicing against DJ Montgomery and Nick Richards every day. Is that enough to convince him that that is the best path to the NBA? Because to me, that's what, what you have to ask yourself if you're Kerry Blackshear. Is it about the minutes? Is it about the fit? Is it about the opportunity to play as much as you want and score as much as you want? Or is it the opportunity to play on the biggest stage in college basketball at Kentucky? My stance hasn't changed. I, I you know, I, 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 I'll just say I think that it is I, – I don't think we know at this point. I don't even think that Kerry Blackshear fully knows. I do think we'll probably get an answer, maybe potentially by the end of this week. But I do think that for the time being, I don't know that. Look, it's important for Kentucky to get the official visit, but I don't know that they're going to get him to commit on the spot. I think he's going to take his time. I think maybe he'll take another couple days. I do think most of you guys are listening on Monday the 17th. I would suspect that by the following Monday, we will know where Kerry Blackshear is going to play college basketball. And I'll tell you this, if he goes to Kentucky, I think you can make a legitimate case they're the number one team in the country going into next year. If he goes to Florida, they're a Final Four threat. If, they go to, if he goes to Tennessee, I'm going to move Tennessee from out of my top 25 to probably right around in the top 15 or so because they do bring back Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden, guys like that. I want to wrap on this. So this story came out basically right as I wrapped the show last week. Uh, Dennis Dodd, great guy friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. He came on like episode, I don't know, four or five, and I see him all the time at games and stuff, and he's a great guy. I really like him. He reported last week, very interesting kind of note, that the NCAA will start handing out notices of allegations to the schools involved in the FBI trial. And so it was a great get by him because usually NCAA officials don't talk about stuff like this publicly until they actually do it. And I think this guy's the guy who spoke to him is probably going to get reprimanded because he probably gave out information that the NCAA didn't really want him putting out there. But the guy, his name's Stan Wilcox. I believe he's the former AD at Florida State, now works for the NCAA. Um, he said that the plan is to have six or so teams. I think, I think the exact quote was six or so, six maybe more, Teams get a notice of allegations. What that means, a notice of allegations means that the NCAA has come to campus, they've interviewed the people that they want to interview, and they are ready to hand out NCAA sanctions for what you did. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that if, if Louisville gets a notice of allegations that they're automatically guilty and that they're banned from the NCAA tournament or Arizona or USC or whoever. It just means that this is the formal presentation of what we found when we came to your campus. Um, then the school has like 90 days to respond and, and the appeals process takes a while, right? Like like any uh, anyone listening to this show follows college basketball, follows college football, it could take a year, two years, three years before we get resolutions to this case. And so just because these allegations drop, to be clear, it doesn't mean that Arizona's not going to be in the NCAA tournament next year or Louisville's not going to be in, in the NCAA tournament next year or whoever it just means that the process has started, but I do think it's important because for everybody that was saying, oh, this FBI trial was a waste of time, and yeah, it probably was a waste of time, but 
schools are going to get in trouble for what was found. And let's keep in mind now that things that came out in these FBI trials, if they can be proven, can be used against these schools. So like, I'll give you an example, right? Like, I don't know that just because uh, Arizona assistant coach Book Richardson says on an FBI wiretap that Sean Miller's paying DeAndre Ayton. Like, I don't think that means that like, oh, the NCAA is going to say like that Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton. But that same assistant coach, Book Richardson, pled guilty in court to taking $20,000 to give to a recruit, Javon Quinterly. So that is a violation. And so when you talk about the six schools, I actually think it's pretty, you know, I saw this big speculation of, oh, it could be, who could it be, and what are the schools? I actually think it's pretty obvious. So first of all, I think the four schools in the, or, the original day all this broke. Remember, there were four schools that had assistant coaches arrested. Auburn with Chuck Person, Arizona with Book Richardson, USC with Tony Bland, and Oklahoma State with Lamont Evans. I think all four of those schools are in trouble. Now, it could be a little sketchy because like Oklahoma State, Lamont Evans had just gotten to Oklahoma State. I think most of the sanctions were involved when he was at South Carolina. I think those four schools are going to get notice of allegations. And people say, well, you know, that. no, it's it's actually pretty easy. That Those two are no-brainers, right? Because those four schools had coaches plead guilty in court to federal crimes. Now, you can argue, is taking money to give to a college recruit a federal crime? I don't know. But what I do know is it is an NCA violation. And when it's an NCA violation, that means that the NCA has enough just by a coach pleading guilty. Just by a coach pleading guilty, the NCA has enough to say, all right, you're in trouble. You're going to pay for this. Now, what is the payment? Do yeah, what is the payment? What are you going to have to pay with? Are you going to be docked scholarships? Are you going to be banned from an NCA tournament? I don't know, but those four schools seem pretty obvious. The fifth school seems pretty obvious too, and that's Louisville. I don't think it's. I don't even think there's a doubt. I don't even think there's any debate. Brian Bowen's dad in court basically said, "Yeah, we took money from Louisville. Yeah, they were paying for our housing, and they were paying for this, and they were paying for that." Now, Brian Bowen's dad also accused a lot of other schools, but the only one that we have proof of is Louisville. You know, Brian Bowen's dad talked about, well, this school offered this, and that's, but, but like, the only one that he's like, no, but <laughs> they, they, they gave me a, a, an envelope full of cash was Louisville. So I think Louisville's the fifth one, and the sixth one I think a lot of you guys are going to be surprised by, I think it's Kansas. I do. And, and the thing with Kansas, we've talked a lot about the Silvio D'Souza deal on this show. Silvio D'Souza last year was suspended for the entire year. Because his guardian got caught taking money from the from Adidas as part of this probe. And Kansas reported it, and Kansas sat him out for all of last year, and Silvio D'Souza is actually eligible this coming season. But what a lot of people don't realize, Silvio D'Souza played two seasons ago. And you remember what happened two seasons ago? Kansas went to the Final Four. And so the bottom line is this, is that Kansas played a player who was ineligible. Silvio D'Souza was not eligible in those games because he took extra benefits to go to Kansas. And so because of that, I don't know how Kansas can't be part of this. Now, if they don't get it, or if any of these schools don't get the notice of allegations early, it doesn't mean that eventually they might not. But I'm just saying, at some point, the bottom line remains that these schools, like Kansas played an ineligible player. They are going to have to vacate wins. They are going to have to take down a Final Four banner. It is going to happen. With the, and I think, by the way, I think Kansas, as I've said on the show many times, I think they're relatively well protected by the NCAA. But 
You can't argue. And so they played an eligible player, and because of that, I have to assume they will be the, one of the six schools. And so those are the six schools that I think, and to be clear, it doesn't mean just because you get a notice of allegations, it doesn't mean that your coach is going to be fired or you're automatically banned from the NCAA tournament. And as a matter of fact, I would say that most of these schools will not be punished this coming season. Like, I don't think that Louisville is going to have to miss the NCAA tournament this season or Arizona. Oklahoma State, who could actually be pretty good this year, by the way, unrelated to anything. They return everybody and have a good recruiting class. They could actually be pretty good. Like, I don't think they're going to have to miss the NCAA tournament. I don't think USC is going to have to miss the NCAA tournament. This is still going to be a year or two process to figure everything out. And so I do think that it could be 2021 or 2022 that Louisville or Arizona or somebody else has to take an NCAA tournament ban. I don't think it's going to have an impact this year, but we should find out in the coming weeks who these schools are and what the impact will be. All right. Wild show today. Wild show today. I started with Anthony Davis. I thought we were going to talk draft, then Kerry Blackshear. So we talked draft. We talked Kerry Blackshear, who's going to visit Kentucky. We'll get into that as details emerge. And we, of course, wrapped with the NCAA stuff. So I want to thank you guys for sticking with me for an hour solo. And thank you for listening to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. As I always tell you, please make sure you're subscribed. You can do it on iTunes. Do it on Podcast Addict. If you have an Android, do it on Podbean, TuneIn Radio. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars are encouraged. Please make sure to follow on Instagram at Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Make sure, by the way, to listen to last week's episodes with Sonny Vaccaro and Seth Greenberg. If you have questions you want answered on the show, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Make sure to send those in. I'm out. Shout out to Torrent Craig. I'm done. Thank you, guys. Hope everybody has a great one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.